Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast we talk about baseball 365 days a year. Unless it's a leap year, then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012, and it is now Saturday, the 29th day of October 2016, and I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm standing outside in the rain at night in Palo Alto, California, the birthplace of Los Angeles Dodgers center fielder Jock Peterson. You know, it's raining, and that's a rare thing in this part of California. We're in the middle of a drought, so when we get a nice rain like we're getting right now, I actually don't mind going outside to it. Your pal Sully likes the rain. Your pal Sully, as I've said, many, many times, wouldn't mind living in the Pacific Northwest where it rains quite often. I like the rain. I think the rain is beautiful. And the rain is rare. And the rain is needed in this drought that we're having in California. Yes, the drought isn't as bad as it was, but it's still there. It doesn't mean we can just start, you know, busting open fire hydrants and start watering our cement. You know, you got to be smart. And lo and behold, it's raining. And I'm standing, and it's falling all over my face right now. And it's kind of nice. Well, we're going to have a long drought quenched in a few days. I don't know if it's going to be Cleveland. I don't know if it's going to be Chicago. But the fact of the matter is, one team is going to have the greatest moment that their fans will have ever experienced. And it's a beautiful thing. Even though I have been rooting against the Cubs, much to the astonishment of most of the people on the planet Earth, as I said, I'm not dead. I'm not a human being who is you know, totally insensitive to the things of the world. I get it. I get it. I understand. It's a, you know, you can't know some of the people I know who are are Cub fans have waited their whole life to see a World Series. Hey, a plane is flying right overhead. That is some close encounter shit that's flying right over us right now. Look at that. I'm going to let you appreciate that plane for a second. I'm not even going to edit that out. But I get it, what this means to Cub fans. It also means a lot to Indian fans as well. But your pal Sully was looking at a couple of things online. Now, I've talked about this before, so I'm not going to get too deep into this subject. But I love people bringing their phone cameras and playing them and recording during a game. If you don't like it, then I'm sorry, you don't understand some of the really wonderful things it can show. And I was watching a compilation of people posting their reactions, Cleveland fans posting their reactions of the final moments of the NBA championship that was won this summer. And it was a remarkable thing because this was a drought. Cleveland hadn't won anything 
since 1964, any major sport since 1964. You know, if you're a Cub fan, chances are you're also a Bulls fan, chances are you're also a Blackhawk fan, so you're, or, or a Bears fan. And so you have experienced at least something. You had a great run in the uh, 90s with the Bulls. You had a great run with the Blackhawks this decade. So you have experienced a championship. But, you know, in Cleveland there was nothing. And so when they finally won, when the Cavaliers finally won, and you saw all of those camera, the recordings of those camera phones and some of these compilations, what you heard was not the roar of the crowd, but the individual screams. And you saw people jumping up and down, hugging some people, yelling stuff not safe for work. But we get to get into that crowd instead of just, <sighs> let's see that reaction. I want to see all these different people and the different faces. And when you know that Steph Curry's three-pointer bounces away and then they try again, when it bounces away, you see the reaction of, oh my God, it's happening. Oh my God, it's happening. And with that, a giant weight, a giant drought was lifted. Now, I've said that this matchup between the Indians and the Cubs would be even more dramatic had the Cavaliers not won and you had two tortured fan bases. But as it were, you still have two tremendous droughts in World Series history. 08 for the Cubs, 48 for the Indians. When this World Series is over, either the Indians will have the longest World Series drought or the Cubs drought will have, it will be 08, and the next longest drought would be the early 60s. Although I personally would put 1924 with, the, with Washington as the last time Washington has seen. And there's something that kind of occurred to me. Every once in a while, there's a big purging of droughts. Every once in a while you'll see a victory for a long-suffering fan base where that team means everything to that fan base and that they suddenly and shockingly got a victory that lifted their spirits and forever turned into the championship that they've waited their whole lives for. Now, I've seen it in other sports. I was in New York when the Rangers won the Stanley Cup, and what that meant that all the 1940s cheers are now gone. I remember when the Denver Broncos finally won with John Elway. And believe me, if you're a Denver sports fan, first and foremost are the Broncos. Now, they've won a couple of Super Bowls since, but that one that was won against the Packers was probably the one that, packed, that, that Broncos fans cling to the most. Of course, you had the, you know, the, believe it or not, there was a drought for the Yankees. It was a relatively short drought, but for a lot of Yankee fans, it was their chance to finally have a title in 96. And most people who are around my age cling the most to that 96 team. But, of course, you know, the, the Red Sox, we can't shut up about 2004. And the very next year... The White Sox won, and too many people have shut up about that. That almost seems like that didn't happen. And the Giants winning in 2010 after never winning a championship in 
the history of San Francisco. The history of San Francisco Giants had zero titles before 2010, and suddenly they win three. And we live in an age where we're seeing like some of these cities that have long, just long-suffering droughts. As I mentioned, the you know Cleveland one, and one of the other longest droughts was in Seattle, with the Seahawks finally winning. It lifted a little bit of the pain of the fans of the Northwest that I had just finished saying how much I love the Northwest. And one of the things that will happen in a few days is another one of these long-suffering franchises with teams that mean everything to them will be alleviated. And that will be the end of a story. That will be the end of a narrative. And sometimes the ending of the narrative is a wonderful thing. You couldn't ask for a better ending of the narrative than what happened to the 04 Red Sox. You couldn't ask for a better ending of the narrative than with Cleveland. That was actually the ideal way, that LeBron was this great hero. He went away for four years, learned how to be a champion, came back and led him against the Warriors, defending champs, down 3-1, Steph Curry leading the way and winning that way. You can't ask for a better ending. And there very well could be a great ending to this World Series that we're experiencing. We don't know what it is yet. There could be a great walk-off home run. There could be a great diving catch. There could be a spectacular performance of someone coming out of the bullpen a la Baumgartner. We don't know. We don't know. But there will be a conclusion. A narrative will be over. And with that, With these two narratives being over, one of these two narratives will be done, and the other one, this will be another painful chapter in that book that keeps being written. With that ending of the narrative, I can't help but think that we're going to have to look around and find the new narratives and the new sources of pain. I guess one of the reasons why I'm rooting for the Indians is there's part of me that likes the idea of Cleveland having no titles all these years and suddenly having two in one year. And that you could make a direct link to the Cavaliers title and the Indians rise. Because when the Cavaliers won their title, the Indians went on a two-week winning streak. And basically it was when they began to separate themselves from the Tigers and the Royals And for a while, the White Sox and these teams, which looked like they were possibly stronger. And also part of me thinks that the window of opportunity for the Cleveland Indians is not as wide as the window of opportunity for the Chicago Cubs. Now, that's, of course, a very dangerous thing to say. That's very Steven Strasburg, let's rest them in 2012 because we're going to win so many titles thing to say. I grant you that. But I do think the Cubs are going to remain a very strong team for the next few years and probably have a chance to win another title. And I don't know when it's all going to come together like this for the Cleveland Indians again. Remember the Indians in the mid-2000s had two very good teams and one of them got to within one win of the World Series in 2007. But it didn't all come together, did it? For one year 
They clicked, but then they couldn't quite put it together. And before you knew it, they were trading away Cy Young Award winners and not getting that much in return. And this is kind of the window of opportunity for the Indians. But the other part of me is looking up and saying, man, that Cubs narrative, if that ends, what are we going to do? What is the next great pained franchise, the next great pained fan base? Growing up, there were so many years that you had the two Chicago teams and the Red Sox were all linked because they won their last World Series in what seemed like millennia ago. And now the White Sox are off the table, the Red Sox are off the table. You take the Cubs off the table, and it just sort of seems like that, that unique collection is now gone, which for Cub fans was like good riddance, and as a Red Sox fan, it's like good riddance. And White Sox fans, I'm sure, don't want to go back to that. But what will be the tortured fan bases? Now, some of the names, I, mean, like I mentioned Washington, and Washington of course, has had the drought in the World Series. And if you are a, you know, a Washington fan who grew up in the 70s and 80s, well, then probably you're a Baltimore Orioles fan, but the Orioles haven't had a championship since 1983. I mean, it's been, if you use the rule of seven, if you're in your late 30s and you're a Washingtonian or a Baltimorean, you don't really remember your team ever in a World Series which is amazing when you think of all the times that the Orioles have put together great teams over the years. And so you have Washington, whose football team was the last one to win a title for them in the early 90s. And it's still kind of embarrassing to say the name of your football team. You know, I mean, then I guess they have taken over one of the really tortured fan bases, as was San Diego, who have never seen a world championship in baseball, or never seen a Super Bowl championship in football, and they lost their basketball team to uh, L.A. to become the Clippers. So there is a sense of a tortured fan base in Washington and a tortured fan base in San Diego. It's still strange not to think of Cleveland as a tortured fan base. It's still strange to not think of the Chicago teams if the Cubs win as not being a tortured fan base. Philadelphia looked like they were a tortured fan base for a while, but then they won the World Series in 2008. Take that off the table. So you really start to look, yes, either Cleveland or the Cubs will remain as those teams that you look at as like, oh man, for those fans' sake, I really hope they win one. I really hope they win one in their lifetime. But then what is it? Then what will be the other teams? And I start thinking about that phrase, seeing them win in my lifetime. And I just mentioned the Baltimore Orioles. Now it's hard for me to equate them as a tortured fan base because I remember when the Orioles were an elite team. My first memory of the World Series was the 79 World Series of the Orioles losing to the Pirates, and they won the World Series just a few years after that in 83. But ah, 83 was not just yesterday. 
And in fact, if you use what I, anyone who follows the podcast knows, is the rule of seven in, let's see, what year is it? It's 2016, and if you're a 40-year-old, you don't remember the Orioles in a pennant. If you're a 30, what, you're a 36-year-old, 37-year-old, you don't remember the Mets winning a World Series. If you're a 36, 30, uh, 35, 36-year-old, you don't remember the Dodgers winning a pennant. If you are in your mid-30s, you have no recollection of the A's winning a World Series or even winning a pennant despite all those great teams. And so one of the strange things that's happened, and by the way, I, I, I neglected to include the Royals as one of those franchises, uh, fan bases who had a long drought and suddenly won. So they're, they're, they're off the hook. Uh, I would say the Pirates too, except most Pittsburgh fans tend to be Steeler fans first and Penguin fans second. So they've had an embarrassment of riches in the Super Bowl and the Stanley Cup, which should be able to quell them over, although... It would nice, be nice to see the Pirates win the World Series. They're one of my favorite teams. So I realize that I have reached an age in my life, and there's gray in my beard, so that should tell you something. But it's the phrase, in my lifetime. I want to see them win in my lifetime. And I realize that we have come around in time as the earth spins around the sun and the sun moves around the circumference of the Milky Way, I don't know if it does or not, Just if you're an astronomer and I got that wrong, forgive me, so this ain't Sully space. I know we're in the Milky Way, I know we're moving around, okay? But I've been around long enough that some of the teams that were the elite teams have now suddenly become teams that are in the midst of droughts. And that the people who could say, I just want to see them win it once in my lifetime, are not necessarily young rubes and young children, but are adults, parents. The ones who were careless in high school might be grandparents. Who could look up and say, well, wait a minute. We're, we haven't seen one in my lifetime. Why is it just the teams that haven't experienced it for generations. So suddenly, once we start to take it, we're going to take either the Cubs or the Indians off the table, and one of those teams will still be there. But you're going to look up and you'll see the Orioles and the Mets and the Dodgers and the A's, and soon the Blue Jays put themselves alongside the teams that just want to win it once and see a championship once in their lifetime. The Cincinnati Reds will be along the same way, which is strange for me because when I was growing up, the Reds were one of the absolute elite franchises in baseball. And now they're a team that's amidst a drought. My age is showing because I've lived long enough to say, what do you mean? They won recently. Oh, wait, that was a while ago, wasn't it? Wait, how old am I? Now, of course, a championship for the Rangers, who they were one strike away from doing so, and then championship for the Houston Astros and a championship for the Nationals Expos franchise. But the long-suffering fans 
who will experience that great moment of adulation. There will be one fan base where we'll be going on YouTube and seeing them go, ah, yeah, yeah, and all the, the iPhone camera video stuff that they post on YouTube. And another one will live on and realize that, no, they're not going to have the company of the Red Sox. They're not going to have the company of the, you know, the White Sox or the, or the Cubs. But then they can look up and say, oh, wait a minute. Are the Tigers, are the Orioles, are these long-suffering fan bases now? And they're getting to be. As the years go on, you start to see, wow, fan bases that I don't associate with the long-suffering are. Because it's the notion in my lifetime. That really rang home for me in 2008 when the Phillies won. And there was a bunch of Phillies fans, most of them mooks, were jumping up and down saying, this is the first title we've ever seen in my life. And I'm thinking, what are you talking about? What's wrong with the, you know, the, the Broad Street Bullies and the, the Mike Schmidt-led Phillies and the, the Moses Malone, Dr. J 76ers? And I realized, oh, wait a minute. They weren't born for that. That would be the same for me as the Impossible Dream 1967 Red Sox. I remember my Uncle Dave, my late Uncle Dave, was asking me questions, because he's a big Red Sox fan, he knows I was, and he was talking about the 67 Red Sox. And I knew, I know about them intellectually. I know who the main players and the main figures were on that team. But he started asking me some deep dive questions, and eventually said, Uncle Dave, I wasn't born for another five years. And he looked at me and said, really? I thought you would have remembered that team. He said, no, I was born in 72. I don't remember 67. And I remember my Uncle Dave kind of looking and said, whoa. And in his eyes, he must have thought, how old am I? And I guess for this reason, I'm thinking a little bit about my Uncle Dave. We are going to have a fan base who is no longer long-suffering. We will have another fan base that will remain long-suffering. And we are going to have new fan bases that will enter the realm of long-suffering. I think we have to come up with a number, and I'll do it right here, and I'll do it right now. 30 years. 30 years. Three decades. If you've gone three decades without a title, and that means you add the rule of seven that you're a 37-year-old, you're staring 40 in the face, and you can't even look up and say, I've seen my team win it once, then you, my friend, have a long-suffering fandom. And man, oh man, the fact that their teams like the Dodgers, the Orioles, the Tigers... And the, you know, the teams that I associate with relatively recent titles, the fact that some of them are on there, man, that makes me feel old. But my hope is I'm going to be doing the Solid Baseball Daily Podcast long enough that I will see more of these long-suffering fandoms find peace in their lifetime. 
I guess the fact that there are 30 fan bases, the only way to assure that there are no long-suffering fandoms is if we go three decades and no team wins more than one World Series title. Let's see if we can make that happen. But as we move on, I'll just say, go to SullyBaseball.com, like me on Facebook, subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram, I'm everywhere. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. I'm standing in the rain, and there's rain covering my microphone right now, talking about droughts. This has been the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast for the 29th day of October 2016. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.